So if you're thinking, huh, that story sounds a little different from the way I remember it, you're probably right. Those of us who grew up in the church are most familiar with the story of the calling of the first disciples that are found in the Gospels of Matthew and Mark. In their version, Jesus is walking along beside the Sea of Galilee when he sees, which is the Lake of Gennesaret, as Ellie said, um, when he sees two fishermen, the brothers Simon and Andrew, casting their nets into the sea. He calls them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men whereupon they leave their nets to join him. Jesus then calls two other brothers, James and John, who leave their father Zebedee to follow him. That sound familiar to some of you? Yeah. So I love that Luke's version is different. And for my money, it's more plausible. And this is why. In Matthew and Mark, after he recruits Simon, Jesus stays at Simon's home in Capernaum and not only heals his mother-in-law of a fever, but also others who are brought to him. In Luke, however, the order is reversed. Jesus stays with Simon-in-law, with his mother-in-law, with Simon's mother, heals his mother-in-law, that is Simon's mother-in-law, and others, then leaves for Capernaum to preach elsewhere. By the time Jesus returns to the area, he is attracting large crowds who want to get very close to this charismatic teacher. And on this particular day, the people press so close to Jesus that they nearly force him into the lake. So Jesus looks around. He sees Simon's boat moored by the shore. And because he's met Simon before, he climbs in and asks him to move the boat away out from the shores just a little bit so he has room to teach. Now the fishermen have been out all night. And they are thinking about a warm meal and a bed while they are cleaning their nets. So Simon is doing uh, Jesus a real favor when he agrees to let Jesus use his boat. And I'm sure that he and his crew are more than ready when Jesus winds things up and sends the crowd away. But Jesus has something else in mind. Instead of thanking Simon for himself, he says, Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Deep water. I didn't learn to swim until I was in physical education in high school. I think I was one of those kids who said, I'm not putting my face in the water. And so my mother let it go, and then I got into high school, and you had to. Um, and I have, a, I have a vivid memory of the first time I was asked to jump off the deep end of the pool. And of the shock and panic that I felt when my feet did not touch the bottom. You're just, <laughs> it was supposed to be there and it wasn't there. And I was deep down there for heaven's sakes, probably all of eight feet. It didn't take long for me to adjust of course and now I enjoy swimming and diving into a pool the ocean, well, that's another thing. Give me the safety of the shallows. Because that's the thing. Going into deep water isn't safe. It's dark. You can't see what's down there. It's unpredictable. In fact, in Jewish scripture, deep water is associated with the chaos of the primordial sea. And while these, routine, these fishermen routinely took their boats into deep water, it was still risky business both physically and financially, 
for there was no way to guarantee that their work would actually produce results. They might haul in a lot of fish one night, but catch nothing the next. Such was the case that day, as Simon himself protests, but master, we have worked all night long and caught nothing. Can't help but wonder if Luke cleaned up some salty language here. Imagine what you might have said in that situation. <laughs> and honestly, I don't blame Simon. When we take on a project or plan a program, we want to be assured of its success, right? But there are times when we too are asked to put out in into deep water, to put out significant effort on our part with no guarantee of the outcome. Think about taking on a new job or to put it a different way, going into retirement. As hard as we prepare, we have no idea how things are going to work out. And that's even more true when we decide to have children. I mean, talk about deep waters, right? Um, we do our best to raise children well, but we can't guarantee that they will be happy or successful. When I first became a pastor here to move to the church, it had been a couple years since the church had put on a vacation Bible school. And it took a little courage to put out the money for curriculum and to recruit leaders without having any idea if kids would show up. Same was true when we started to work with Family Promise. How could we manage to house and feed families for a week? I mean, where would we put them? Um, who would provide the meals? Would there be too much wear and tear on our facility? There were lots of questions and little answers. Thankfully, both of those programs have been successful, but it is not easy to venture out of our comfort zones. Like Simon, when we're asked to move into deep waters, we're most likely to say, oh, we've tried that before and it didn't work. Or we just don't have the money or the space or the people. Or I've put in my time, maybe you should ask someone else. Or I'm not sure that I could really make a difference. There's probably someone more qualified than I am. Putting out in the deep water is scary, risky which is why it is something of a surprise when Simon agrees to do what Jesus asked. I mean, why would he take his boat out on the say-so of an itinerant rabbi, a carpenter with no experience at fishing? Maybe it's because he had already seen Jesus heal and heard him teach. We just don't know. All we have are Simon's words. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. If you say so. Somehow Jesus knows that he can, Simon knows that he can trust Jesus. And so he accepts Jesus' invitation to put out into the deep, dark water. They raise the sail and move the boat out onto the lake, and then comes the miracle. A catch of fish so unexpectedly large that Simon has to call for help because the nets are about to break. Imagine the boats leaning precariously and the fish thrashing in the necks as the men strain to keep them together and pull them up. Imagine, too, Jesus working alongside the fishermen, helping to drag the nets aboard, because he's there, too, not watching from the shore, but there in the deep water along with Simon and the others. When Christ calls us to go into deep water, he does not send us alone. 
He goes with us into the chaos, into the uncertainty, and into the possibilities that await us there. It is a far larger catch than Simon or anyone else with him could possibly have expected or imagined. And like the jars of water that turn into gallons of wine and the five loaves and two fish that feed thousands of people, it is a sign of the unexpected, abundant grace of God. And Simon is terrified. Suddenly he realizes that he is in the presence of someone far greater than a teacher, and he falls to his knees. Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Not master, but Lord. Not, I want to serve you, but I am unworthy. How often we feel that way which is why we really we need to hear, really hear what Jesus says to Simon Peter. First, he offers words that are spoken over and over again in scripture. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And then he says, from now on, you'll be catching people. Notice that Jesus' response to Simon's confession of sinfulness is not, I forgive you, but I call you. Notice, too, that Jesus doesn't ask Simon to do anything other than what he is already doing. Simon knows how to fish. He knows the lake and how to maneuver his boat. He knows how to care for and use his nets. Now Jesus asks Simon to use this knowledge and skill take it and use it to the best of his ability in God's service. He calls Simon Peter to, the, Peter to the work of catching people to life and trust God to do the rest. Over and over again in the Gospels, Jesus calls sinners to his side. Over and over again, he chooses unlikely people, fishermen, tax collectors, women, the poor, and tells them that in God's eyes, they are worthy to do the work to which they have been called. Over and over again, he calls them to join others in his sermon. Simon will not fish for Jesus alone. James and John, his partners, will also leave their nets and follow Jesus, and together they will be the beginning of the community of faith to which we have been called. Now God chooses us, vulnerable, sinful, broken people that we are, calls us worthy, and sends us out into deep water to do the work of Jesus. That sounds kind of lovely, that Jesus calls us and says you're worthy, but venturing into deep water is scary. It may help to remember several things. First, you can't catch much fish in the shallows. You just can't. They aren't there. <laughs> Though playing it safe is more comfortable, it's not necessarily more successful or the place to which God calls us. Second, Jesus calls us where we are. 
Responding to his call does not necessarily mean becoming ordained ministers or missionaries going out into the world. Most of the time, it simply means following him and living out our faith in our usual relationships and everyday lives. Yes, Simon and John and James left their nets, but they still worked together and they still were called to fish. This does not mean that responding to Jesus' call is easy. Hauling in that big catch took persistence and courage, and the same is true when we choose to follow. It takes humility, too, but the work is not ultimately ours. And any success that we experience is God's doing, not ours. And sometimes, most times, answering the call requires a willingness to leave behind the things in which we find security. The disciples left behind their nets, the tools of their livelihood. And though the Gospels make it sound easy, I have no doubt that there were moments when they struggled with this decision. It took a lot of trust for them to do this. And the same is true for us. Which is why the most important thing for us to remember is that Jesus goes into the deep water with us. Just as Jesus was in the boat with Simon, helping him to haul in that huge catch, so Jesus is with us, enabling us to carry out the work to which we have been called. For God is faithful and God's grace is abundant. Put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Lauren Dow Wegner, associate pastor at Grace Lutheran Church in River Forest, Illinois, writes this. Like Simon Peter and all the others who go before us, we are called in the midst of our daily lives to serve in God's mission for the world. Cast your nets, write your papers, teach your students, balance financial accounts, design the buildings, pour the concrete, make the lattes, lead the meetings, administer the IVs, answer the phones, lead the scouts, sing the arias. Do what you know how to do. And Jesus will use it to draw others into the kingdom of God. Rarely does God reveal to us our destination. Instead, God reveals to us the means through which we are called to participate in God's end result. While we do what we are created, equipped, and skilled to do, we entrust the result to God. Because when it comes to God's call, there's always a catch. Thanks be to God. Amen.